it's good to be in the house of the Lord where you can feel the Spirit of God moving and working during the service. I recently was talking with someone who said that they went to a church and they said it was as cold and as dead as they'd ever been in a church before. Just because it's a building and just because it has a name doesn't mean that the Lord's Spirit is dwelling in that place and moving. But I thank God that it is moving here and He's doing a lot of good work in this place. You're not here by accident today. You may have feel like, well, I just thought I'd try a new church today or I just thought that I would just check you guys out. Let me tell you something. God drew you here for a reason. God is working and He's making a difference in people's lives. Today, I'm going to, to finish up this series that I've been doing where I've been talking about obstacles uh, to our spiritual growth. We've talked about a lot of different things and, and we have really uh, covered a lot of hard-hitting stuff and some things that uh, slip by our radar sometime. And today is another one of those that sometimes it just slips by our radar and it's called forgetfulness. I'm not going to be talking about your husband, ladies, so um, don't be nudging them, okay? Look, we are forgetful because God caused a deep sleep to come upon Adam. From Adam, uh, he took a rib to make the woman, and we never read where God woke Adam up. So we inherited a half-asleep brain, so give us a break sometimes. But today, I want us to look in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. God's laid one verse on, on my heart. It's, this is going to be a little bit different than normal today. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. Moses, in the book of Deuteronomy, he's given the law for the second time to a new generation. He's, he's laying out what has happened and, and trying to encourage them to follow the Lord and do what is good. And uh, he is doing that in chapter 4. He's urging them to obey God's law and seek after God. And we come to verse 9, and he is addressing not just a nation, but each individual within that nation. Many times, he, when he is referring to you, he's talking about a whole group of people within the nation, uh, maybe one of the tribes. But in verse 9, he is getting personal. He says, Only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently. Moses understands because he has been hanging out with, with whiny, crybaby human beings for 40 years. Now, Somebody should just say, oh me, I'm just like that. I'm going to do it. Oh me, I'm just like that. If I had been in that group, I probably would have been complaining like the rest of them. I don't like the food. I don't like the temperature. I don't like where we're going. I don't like how we're getting there. Because that just happens because we're human beings. We can find ourselves doing those things. Moses has experienced this period of time where he has seen these people who God was in their midst and working completely and totally disregard their spiritual being. And he's saying, for you to be successful in your spiritual life, give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently. I think, number one, you can take this to the bank. Your spiritual development will not happen by accident. 
it's, you're not just going to wake up one day and go, I am so much more spiritually uh, better than I was two years ago. I haven't read my Bible. I haven't been to church. But boy, I sure am spiritually more mature. Just by you saying that, you need to get in church and get in the altar because you just showed that you got pride. So you haven't grown as much as you thought you did. But it's not going to happen by accident, Moses is saying. Give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently. Why? Because we are a forgetful people. Somebody say, oh me. We are forgetful, aren't we? It just doesn't come with age. It comes because we are human. We are forgetful people. Now there's some things that we forget more. Sometimes we forget on accident. Sometimes we forget on purpose. Somebody just say, yes, praise the Lord for that. Only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently so that you do not forget. Forget what? Forget your wife's birthday? Lord, don't ever do that. Forget your anniversary? Oh, don't do that either. He's saying here, so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen and they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life. Now what he is referring to here is not just simply life experience of, of, of them just going out living life. But where God had worked in their life. Don't forget where God has done something in your life mighty and powerful. Because here's what happens. When we walk away from a great event where God has done something remarkable. We encounter our next crisis. When we forget about what God done yesterday we're looking at today going it's just too much for me Lord I can't make it last night during the worship service there was a song that was sung and there's a phrase in that that just it was powerful one of the songs said this when I am surrounded referring to life and things just seem to beat us down and bombard us I'm sure there's some of you that's been there where you just feel like I am surrounded by by the enemy it keeps coming at me every direction it never ends when I am surrounded I am surrounded by you See, in those moments when we feel surrounded by this world, we're actually surrounded by God, but we will forget that sometimes because we forget what he did yesterday, last week, last month, years ago. When we can remember what God has done, it takes us today and prepares us for what he's about to do, church. When we forget what God did yesterday, we're not even looking to what God's about to do because all we're faced on is what he's not doing right now. And Moses is addressing this that we need to remember. Only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen and they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life. It doesn't matter how old you are. If God's worked in your life, don't let them depart no matter if you live to be 120 years old. But look what it says in verse 9. But make them known to your sons and your grandsons. Remembering what God has done is an action you must do. It is an action that you must make it known what God has done in your life if you're going to remember it. That's why in my house, when our lug nuts on our van, there was only... Two of them holding a tire on one time. I got the lug nuts that were in that thing up where I put my wallet to remind me what God did in protecting us. 
There's a reason why I have a piston from my engine in one of the cars before hanging and it's in, in, in my little closet where I keep my tools. It's there because it reminds me that God provided whenever that car broke down in the middle of Atlanta in a, a parking garage and got us home and it didn't cost us a thing. God does great things. And sometimes we need something to remind us and we need some things around. God, nine times in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses says, remember, don't forget. He's trying to say, you, you guys, Adam and Eve were forgetful. God told Adam, do not eat from this one tree because in the day that you do, you will die. And then along comes the devil. Oh, did God really say that? He knows that you're going to know good and evil. You're going to be like Him. Go ahead and eat it. And Eve actually doesn't actually completely say exactly what God had told Adam. So I would submit to you that there was some forgetfulness beginning to take place because she forgot that God just said, don't eat of it. She said, well, God said you can't eat it or even touch it. Now, Adam may have mistranslated that something somehow and said, listen, don't even touch it. We're not going to get around it. That's fine. But the bottom line is this. The devil came in to get their mind off of what God had done in creating the world and bringing them together to be focused on the right now of what they could really have if they'll just forget about what God has said. And so sin enters into the world. See, I got news for you today. The devil wants you to feel defeated and your life to continue in a downward spiral by letting you forget how faithful our God truly is. God has worked in your life before and maybe it don't feel like He's working right now, but i got good news for you, ladies and gentlemen. When you are surrounded, you're surrounded by God Almighty. Amen. See, this says, only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen and they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life. But make them known to your sons and your grandsons. We need to make it known today how God's worked in our life. In fact, I have three people who's going to come and share their stories. I'm going to share one of mine, just one, real quick. The Lord laid on my heart to share this morning. There was a time, many of you know, that I was born with a birth defect and I couldn't walk. The doctor said it was impossible. But through some surgeries and God just healing and God sending a man of God by our house one day just to pray for me that we didn't know and he just felt like I needed to stop here and pray for somebody in the house and he came and prayed for me. Through all of that and God working, I'm standing before you today. I can run. I can't run as fast as my kids. I can't jump as high as you, but praise God, I can run, I can walk, and one day, you better look out when I get to heaven. I'm going to outrun every one of you. But let me tell you this story. There was one time when I was a little boy, and I was hurting so bad after a surgery. My mom and dad had taken me to a church. The church is called Etowah Baptist Church up in, in Dahlonega, Georgia. And I remember sitting there and I was crying as a little boy. And they couldn't even sing because I was crying so loud. And my dad stood up. He said, church, would you pray for my son? He's hurting so bad. And my dad and my mom brought me down to the altar. And I remember just as clear as day how 
I was sitting there and I was facing the back of the room and all the church came down and they had gathered around me and they were in the altar and they were praying. And let me tell you, in that church they prayed. You heard everybody praying at one time. They were praying, but I was hurting so bad. And then all of a sudden, in the back of the room, near the door, there was this bright light. I'm not making this up. I was there. It was me, people. There was this bright light, like an angel. And all the pain disappeared. And this little boy went from hurting and crying to being quiet. Because the pain was gone. My God performs miracles and changes lives. And we need to proclaim that to our children and to our grandchildren. Hey, youth, check this out. How would you like to hear from someone who went to church in a horse and buggy? A horse and wagon. Would you believe there are people that are still around that went to a church in a horse and buggy? There's several of them in the church. Miss Wayne Vaughn, would you come up here? Miss Wayne is going to come and share her story, how God has worked in her life. She went to church in a horse and buggy. And every time the doors were open, you were there, weren't you, Miss Wayne? Every time. Tell, tell us how God's hand has worked in your life. I have such a heritage.
The Lord is good and the Lord does great things. How about we hear from someone else? Buddy Anderson, come on up here and share how the, the Lord has worked in your life and how His hand has made a difference. Go ahead and bring them. I might as well get me some too. Here you go, brother. Share, share from your heart. We were riding in the van Wednesday night to pick up folks from around, and the um, pastor said, I want you to be thinking about uh, who would be good to share the story, and that includes you. And I, I, I'm thinking, really, Pastor, are you sure the service is going to run over? <laughs> <laughs> he... Saved Noah and his family from the flood. He spit Jonah out of the whale on the dry land. He rescued Daniel from the lion's den and he saved me. He was in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He led two million people out of captivity in Egypt. And he saved me. When those two million people were hungry... He fed them every day, every single day. All they had to do was go out and scoop it up. When they got tired of eating the manna and they wanted some meat, he sent them birds every day, all but Saturday. On Friday, they collected twice as much because Saturday was the Sabbath. And they were not to work on the Sabbath. They were not to gather food. They gathered it on Friday. And on every Friday, instead of enough for one day's food, every Friday, for 40 years, there was enough food for Friday and Saturday. And he saved me. He saved me from myself. When the Israelites grew thirsty, when there was no water, Moses struck a rock and the water gushed out. There was never any other mention of them being thirsty again for 40 years. And he saved me.
long ago in early life, it was really important for me to have a fancy car. Because, you know, girls like fancy cars. It was important for me to um, be out and about every night. Because, you know, it's what you did. You had a fancy car, young, single, go out every night. Well, I didn't just go out. I mean, I went out. I want to tell you about this one particular instance in my life. And there were so many. This one particular incident that I look back on. And I know after that moment that I knew. I was searching at the time I did not know I was searching. Nor did I know that he had something way different in mind for me than what I had in mind. You see, my goal at the time was be to be the world's greatest partier, or certainly the Atlanta's greatest partier, you know. You know, I wanted people to look at me and say, oh, that's Buddy. So I'm driving home one night. Listen to this, guys. 1966 Corvette. Fastback. Like that. Black. Shine like new money. I'm telling you. It was sweet. And I had way, 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 way too much to drink. And I left downtown going home. And I don't remember falling asleep. But I did. Now, you know the expressways going through town. We lived on the south side then. They're curvy. You know, there are no straight lines on those expressways. As I woke up, I was in a concrete drainage ditch going back up onto the expressway. How I got into the ditch, I have no idea. How I came out of the ditch, I know exactly. Because he brought me out of that ditch. I never slowed down. I never got a scratch. From that incident, I knew God had something way, way different in mind for me. He had a way different future than I had been seeing. I didn't realize that for a long time. But he had, a, had me at a, Lisa and I, at a business meeting in uh, Gatlinburg. 
And on Saturday night after the teaching was over, they said, you want to be sure and be back here tomorrow morning at 11 o'clock for uh, church. We're going to have church. I said, okay, well, that'll be good. We'll, we'll come to that. Well, this business leader, he preached the word, folks. And when he had finished with his message, he opened up that stage and he said, and by the way, there was uh, 15,000 people there at that, at that function. He opened up that stage. He said, if, if you want to accept Christ as your Savior, come on down. I didn't, I didn't walk down. I jumped up and ran down. I'd had my head clear for about a year by that time. And no, I didn't know I was searching. I did not know I was looking for him. But when my time was right, he found me. He called me. He saved me. Do I sin? Of course. But I'm forgiven. He loves me. He loves you. I love you. You are my family, John. Last night, here, these young people were down on their knees praying and crying. I found myself with them down here. God has opened my eyes to the work he is doing. And sometimes we look at this younger generation and, and we say, oh, we're in trouble. Hey, we're not in trouble. These young folks right here, those young people in the back, back there, God loves them just like he loves us. These young people over here, these young people, you got it. You got this. This church has a foundation, and you are the next layer of that foundation and this church is this church is good God is good we did that experiencing God Bible study here a few years ago and that's what really opened my eyes to see him work we see him work all around us every day if we look thank you God for allowing me to see you work and join you. Amen. Thank you, buddy. You know, what you may not be aware of is we have teenagers that are back there in that tech booth.
taking it serious to do everything they can to make this service work and the online streaming work. I have two girls that was caught by security last night doing something. They didn't went into one of the rooms back there and turned off the light so they wouldn't be interrupted and got on their knees and prayed. We have hope because we got Jesus and Jesus is alive and well in our teenagers and our children and this church takes it serious and we want Jesus to be in the heart of every kid in our community and every person who comes to this place to experience Him. One of my daughters said something last night and I said, oh, go, please write that down. And I am going to keep this for as long as I live. Jacob, you can come on up here because Jacob is going to share in just a second. Then he's going to sing and then we'll do the last fill-in in the notes. And Here's what my daughter wrote. This is for somebody. Sometimes you have to go through pain for there to be a better healing. Sometimes you have to go through hurt For there to be renewing. Sometimes you have to be broken to be made new. Sometimes you have to come to that point where you can't go anymore so God can show you that He's still moving. God uses everything in every situation for His plan. God lines everything up perfectly. Even those things where it feels like the walls are closing in. It's one of the most powerful, best sermons you'll ever hear right there, written by a 16-year-old girl who loves the Lord and God's made a difference in her life. That may be for somebody today. Someone here may have needed to hear those. I'm sure someone needed to hear those words today. Jacob, would you just share your story, how God has worked in your life? First of all, I just want to thank the Lord for saving us. Amen. small child the desire for music and he put people in my life like my parents and my aunt Camille my grandmother to help sow that seed inside of me to sing and lift his praises through song and through music and I just want to thank God for giving me that this morning and you know as when they asked me to share of God's goodness Laura I thought what in the world am I supposed to say because God is so good. God is so good, but the Lord laid this on my heart to tell you this morning about a story. And then I got one quick scripture that I want to read about um, 
I want to say three and a half, four years ago, I was in the darkest time that I'd ever been through in my life so far. I was about 23, 24 years old. I was in a horrible marriage. I was in just a bad place. And God, who is rich in mercy, lifted me up. I began to do things that I was taught not to do. I began to say things that I was taught that I shouldn't say. And I just completely gave up on everything. I still went to church. I still sang. But I was so miserable, church, that I thought, I can't do this no more. And then God laid it on my grandmother's heart to start going to a church here in Gainesville under Jensen Franklin. And we went, and that whole year and a half that we went, the Lord started to heal my heart and begin to show me things that I needed to do and the things that he needed to bring me out of. And long story short, I was at a prayer meeting, and I began to question, Lord, when are you going to send the one that's right for me? When are you going to send the one that I'm supposed to spend the rest of my life with? And I would read in the book of Genesis the story of Isaac and Rebekah. That's one of my favorite love stories in the Bible besides Jesus. And um, Eleazar, he went to get an Isaac for Rebekah, Abraham's servant. And he, he, he went to this well. And he said, Lord, whoever not only offers me drink, but offers to give my camels drink, I know that that is the one for Isaac. And you know, and I just began to just throw my faith out there. Sometimes we just got to throw our faith out there and say, Lord, if you just show me this, I know that this is what you have planned for me. So I began to pray, God, send me a Rebecca. Send me somebody who would not only offer me drink, but offer drink for my family and my friends. Mean, meaning that would not only love me, but would also serve my family, and the ones around me. And I was at a prayer meeting at a dear lady's house, Sister Carolyn Richard. And God, help me, Jesus. I thought I was going to just leave and go on to glory when she prayed over me. Y'all think I'm crazy. You know, I mean, have you ever been so full of God that you just feel, Lord, take me now? I just don't even know. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just me. I ain't going to hide it, you know. They say I've got too much holiness in me. But if you're saved, then you're, you're of God. But I'll never forget what she told me, church. She prayed over me. And she said, Jacob, said, you have had a bitter taste of love. But the next taste that you will have will be sweet as honeycomb. And you will know by the touch on the shoulder that that's the one that God has for you. And I begin to think, oh, goodness gracious, here it is. It's going to have to happen that way or I'm not going to believe it. <laughs> because I was completely content doing whatever I needed to do by myself, even though I was wanting someone to spend the rest of my life with. See, sometimes Satan will put that doubt in you just to keep you, keep you where you are. See, I thought I was okay, but then God wanted me to spend somebody, have somebody spend the rest of my life with. So I was at my dad's church, People's Church in Flowery Branch, and I'll never forget that morning. I woke up with a song in my mind. What a fellowship. What a joy divine. Leaning on the everlasting arm, and I sung that all the way to church. And I was standing in the middle aisle, 
which is something I never hardly did. I was always either on the stage or in the sound booth. But for some reason, the Lord had me in the center aisle just running my mouth like I usually do. I was talking, and then all of a sudden, there was a touch right here on my right shoulder. And I felt this feeling go from the top of my head down to the bottom of my feet. And every anxiety, every depression, every doubt that I'd had in my heart and all the brokenness, within a split second, my heart was mended. And I began to taste honey. I literally could taste honey in my mouth. Some of you are looking at me like I'm crazy. (laughs) And I turned around, and there was this beautiful, beautiful young lady, Rebecca. So God answered my prayer. Not only, not only did he send me my soulmate, but he literally sent me a Rebecca. I asked for one. And he gave one to me. So I want to share a scripture with you this morning. It's from Psalm 63. And it's verse 3 and 4. Because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus will I bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Man. Before we talk about what we need to do, Jacob is going to lead us in a song, and I invite you to stand. Because each one of us has a story. You can go ahead and stand, Laura. That's okay. Be the first one. We all have a story. We all have a story we can tell. God has worked in your life, whether you want to admit it or not, whether you remember it or not, God's done something. So as we sing this song, I want you to reflect on what God has done in your life up to this point. Jacob, lead us. Blessed assurance Jesus is mine Oh, yeah. 
What must we do? We need to answer this question. We need to answer this question today. What has Jesus done? What difference has Christ made in my life? What difference has Jesus made in my life? Because let me tell you something. He's made a difference. I know He's made a difference in your life. Here's your challenge for the next seven days. Post the story on Facebook, on Instagram, somewhere on social media. Tell somebody. Tell the cashier at Walmart how Jesus has made a difference in your life. When you go to, to eat lunch today, tell the waitress how Jesus has made a difference in your life and leave her a good tip no matter how she acts. Or you tell them you're from Free Chapel, not Chicopee. <laughs> I'm kidding. Because anybody who belongs to Jesus Christ would treat a waitress right. Your challenge for this week is to tell someone about how Jesus has made a difference in your life. I love that song you sang, and I'm going to throw a curveball. I know you got a song, and, and, and you know, uh, I'll play it. I think we ought to just sing the song again. And if you need to come down here and pray this morning, if you want to just come down here and take my hand and say, I just want to praise God for Him saving my soul. Because let me tell you something. I may have not supposed to walk when I was born. The doctors told my mom and dad they'd never even have a child. I'm here. They said I'd never walk. I'm here. They said I'd never jump. I can jump. And boy, lo, lo and behold, the greatest miracle that's ever happened in my life is when that day when I said, Jesus, Jesus, forgive me and take over my life. That's the greatest miracle. It wasn't when that angel showed up and took the pain away. It was when Jesus showed up and took the sin away. That's the greatest miracle of my life. What has Jesus done in your life? He has saved our soul and that is our story.